But yeah, I just think like if you're if you're going bald, which like so look, you're all very high T individuals. That's what happens. <laughs> yup. When you when also you... you've had people pulling on the whole thing the entire totally, time. It's gotta totally. have some like stress loss. Yeah, exactly. Just always lose it in hair versus hair. It's the coolest thing. And then also you it's a hair versus hair match is it's basically like the Tim Robinson sketch with the gorilla attack. <laughs> Losing your hair in the gorilla attack. It's like the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you get a plausible excuse to be bald. <laughs> I forgot about the gorilla text. It's really good. <laughs> I I thought that was genius. The we'll send you five hundred little wigs. <laughs> you switch wigs every sixteen hours to get the confidence of a bald guy. Yeah, that's the thing. You just gotta lose it. You can't. You can't Baron Corbin it for so long. Like you gotta just get rid of it. Hello and welcome to Wrestlesplania, the podcast where wrestling enthusiast Kath Barbadoro introduces wrestling to me, Rachel Millman, a new fan. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We're in the third day of a three-day weekend. Yeah. For a lot of people, it's like the fourth or fifth day because I always feel like Memorial Day is when like people forego the traditional idea of a weekend and are like... I'm not going into work. It's Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people use their vacation days to try to build into uh, uh, a crazy long vacation. Uh, Patty called today. I did What a Time earlier today. And uh, he, what did he call it? Synthetic Sunday. That's what he called it. That's, and I, I was actually, like, did you make that up? And he was like, I think it's like a finance guy thing. <laughs> I was like, I like that. That Synthetic sounds right. Because like, not to, you know, dox where he previously was, but he was in the Hamptons this weekend. And yeah. was like, <laughs> definitely doing the thing where he was like texting me being the only guy indoors yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Synthetic Sunday. I like Synthetic that. Synthetic Sunday. That's what yeah. it is today. It's Synthetic Sunday. HGH Sunday. <laughs> I'm bringing it into this show. Yeah, you know? I like it. Yeah. And as it is Memorial Day, we are, is it okay to say we're memorializing a for, uh, fallen fallen member i don't know if yeah. that's right we're doing we're doing uh, an episode about a sadly tragically recently deceased uh wrestler silver king today yeah yeah we you know we have we're f i'm filling in a lot of my blanks but there's still a lot of you know like i guess you could say the map of wrestling that i yeah. have not explored or in some place you know and like that's this is a section that i don't have and when I saw what what's what section do you mean lucha I mean, or this time period or a little bit of both mm. like I know some lucha but I actually you know I haven't actually been to a proper lucha show live yet we have had a couple like weird scheduling snafus with it I want to it sounds I, I can't wait it's just that that's a little bit of a blank area I have some knowledge and then this era and also specifically this era of Lucha, I think we're we both prior to doing this episode had nothing on. Yeah. So we haven't really technically done an episode about uh, somebody who primarily worked in uh, Lucha Libre in Mexico yet. I, as far as I can remember, we have not done an episode about anybody like that. Nope. We've done an episode on some people who have worked in Mexican promotions, but not anybody who is primarily there. And uh, we did do a bonus episode that Rachel's referring to. She couldn't come, but uh, I did uh, an episode on our bonus Patreon feed with J.R. Goldberg, aka Wrestling Bubble, on Twitter, who is a big Lucha fan, extremely knowledgeable about Lucha Libre, and kind of walked me through the 
differences in that style versus like the American indie style, which is mostly the stuff we go to live. So he brought me to, to a Lucha uh, show. I referenced that bonus episode because that is probably going to be a really helpful listen. If like us, this uh, style of wrestling is new to you as well. Uh, if you're listening, um, because it is like, it, it is really different in a lot of ways. And silver King did primarily work in um, Mexican promotions. He started in CMLL, um, and J.R. Goldberg also helped us a lot with picking the matches for this and um, giving us a little bit of context and background about Silver King. So he is from a Lucha family. Yeah, I thought that was great. That was like a wonderful, like, first off thing to learn in yeah. terms of like who his dad and is and who his brother is. Yeah. So, Rachel, have you watched any of the like CMLL Friday shows on YouTube? I watched part of one once mm. when I came home a couple of drinks deep. Yeah. That's, which is kind of the ideal way to it's watch perfect. it. Yeah. That is like <laughs> generally if I'm home. If I like come home from a bar on Friday night and it's still on, like it's a great thing to turn on and it's free on YouTube. If you are at all curious about uh, Mexican wrestling, I highly recommend you check it out because <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, the crowds are always having a blast and uh, it's it's definitely like you start to see the differences in the presentation between American wrestling. Um, and not just the whole sort of C is CMLL the one that truly doesn't give a fuck about the rules. I mean, the rules in all of them are kind of flexible. <laughs> I just mean like the rules about like copyright law. Oh yeah. No, none of them give, none of them Good. give a shit about copyright law. LA park comes out to thriller. Like they don't give a shit. It's really fun. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like that's a really good way for somebody who's so new to it to get to as a, is a, it's a good signifier in a way of like you're not watching what you're used to right yeah you're watching a place where they don't give a shit about playing michael jackson and not paying people yeah it's yeah, like, yeah um but another thing about mexican wrestling is even more so than american wrestling which is already very familial and very dynastic in mexican wrestling these families there's even more of them and there's a, a lot more of like a family line to a lot of these wrestlers. So Silver King, um, his the reason I asked if you watch CMLL is because his brother is a wrestler named Dr. Wagner Jr. Yes. Who, uh, he in we watched a match with him for this episode and he was masked. He recently unmasked. He is super hot. He's Proving like, the theory. No, I knew <laughs> I knew what he looked like. And like I was like really ashamed to be like, oh no, my frame of reference is that I saw, thought somebody was hot for this episode about a guy who recently passed away. <laughs> well, I'm a it's bad just, person. Look, like Silver <laughs> I'm, King's I'm looking at him. Silver King's got some strong genes, is what I'm saying. Because yeah. he was also very handsome. Yeah. Dr. Wagner Jr. is a total babe. And yeah, so he he unmasked like two years ago. He looks like he should play a character on a CBS sitcom named. Dr. Wagner. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he could totally be like the new like Grey's Anatomy doctor, Dr. Wagner, and everyone would be like, oh my God. Give him an arc. <laughs> my God. Put him in like a telenovela or something at least. Like he's famous in Mexico no, probably. I think he deserves to be on like CBS. He should be on the 12th season of Hawaii Five-0, <laughs> which is not hyperbole. I think they're on 11 or 12 right now. <laughs> I just, yeah, he's, he's a big time honk. So Dr. Wagner Jr. and Silver King brothers. Dr. Wagner is their dad, who is a, a wrestler in the 60s. Um, and then Dr. Wagner Jr.'s son also wrestles as El Hijo de 
Dr. Wagner, a.k.a. Dr. Wagner the third. So there's a lot of Dr. Wagners is the thing. Um, Wagner, Wagner, Wagner and Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> That's their their private practice. It's um, WWWK. I think that that would be it. Right. Wagner, 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 King. Because Silver yeah, King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. WWWK. Um, yeah. And so he was married to a wrestler named Zochitl Hamada for a while. So like. This is a family like married to the game. Like yeah. in it, um, he, uh, Silver King started training really, really early with Dr. Wagner Jr. Um, they were both like, I think 17 was Silver King's debut. Yep. Um, started wrestling as Silver King pretty soon into his debut. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that he was unmasked really early because like, I just feel like I when I imagine a Mexican wrestler named Silver King, like that guy has a mask, you know? Oh, for sure. And uh, he was unmasked by El Hijo de Santo, who I saw at that Lucha show that I went to with JR, um, son of the famous El Santo, the most famous Lucha Libra guy ever. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. El Santo is like, apparently there is like no one no one in American wrestling compares to how famous El Santo was in Mexico. Like not the rock, like not like yeah, fuck the orders rock. of magnitude above that. So <laughs> fuck you, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So El Hijo de Santo is his son. I can't remember if he was his real son or not, but anyway, he unmasked Silver King and uh, then he wrestled without a mask, which honestly not so bad. Cause he was very handsome. Yeah. A little cutie. He was very cute. Uh, JR says in one of the essays he wrote, which uh, I, it, you can subscribe to his Patreon to uh, to read, says that um, Silver King looks like the kind of guy, if he were Caucasian, would get called all-American looking by, like, all the announcers. That's a really... I think it has to do with, like, the shape of his nose, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, there's something about, like, everyone has, like, their own, in terms of, like, their home country, their version of, like, a ski jump nose, and Silver King has it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Uh, <laughs> kind of. I... I see what you mean in the sense that like he has a very like trustworthy face like yeah. he has like a face that conveys like not a, a childishness but like a little bit of an innocence to it like he just ha he looks like a good person which yeah. we'll we'll get into in some of these matches uh because he wrestles some 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 dudes with some faces yeah uh, but yeah like he in, in pretty much everything we watched he's the good guy and you get it. Like, yeah. you immediately understand that he's the good guy because that's what he looks like. And he just looks so nice. And like, he would protect you from the bad, evil Rudo wrestler who's, you know, mean. I'm so glad that the bad guy is called Rudo. Like, that I, as an idiot gringo, <laughs> can figure it out. <laughs> Rudo. I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, in Lucha Libre, it's uh, Rudos are the bad guys and Technicos Those, are the good guys. Yeah. Which I think in a episode, I think in the episode that's coming out this week, or maybe the one that was out last week, we were talking about how in Mexican wrestling, it's like the Technicos and the Rudos. It's less like good and evil and more like what is your approach to winning and Rudos will cheat to win and Technicos won't. But it doesn't necessarily mean character wise that they are like the person you cheer for and the person you boo. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 
I think that's very interesting. Yeah, because Technico also, again, like Rudo Rude, Technico to me, in my context, in the way that I process things, is like Technico is the person going, um, technically no. And like they're the nerd. <laughs> that's a good way to remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about it as like they're into the technical side of wrestling. I'm sure that that's the actual root of it, but like this is my Swiss cheese brain. No, I don't think, I don't think I'm right. It's, that's, it's just the Spanish word. Like, oh, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. no. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, but that's how I think about it is like somebody who is into like the the uh, another kind of nerd, you know, like the yes. Zack Sabre Jr. type of nerd where it's like, I'm a nerd about uh, pulling your arm out of your socket. Yes. And I'm going to do it like very by the book, you know? <laughs> yes. But yeah. Um, so Silver King gets his start uh, pretty early and he gets a lot of success pretty early. Um, he, like I said, wrestles primarily in CMLL. Um and this was at a time when CMLL was not as popular. Like right now, CMLL is pr- arguably the most popular promotion in, in Mexico. Um, a- AAA is kind of second tier. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, uh, AAA was much more popular. So Silver King was kind of like the top guy in the second promotion Mm. which again like and jr talks about this but if you're thinking about him as like the ultimate good guy like that's a real good guy move to be like uh no i'm sticking with the guys who had my back exactly i'm gonna carry him through exactly yeah so he's working in a tag team for a lot of this los cowboys which is great (laughs) i loved it um with a wrestler named el tejano and uh so you know the texan yeah silver king and the texan which by the way i do want to say in all of the lucha stuff we watch for this they do call him silver king they don't call him like the spanish i don't know spanish but whatever the spanish would be for silver king like his name is silver king which i think is kind of interesting that is interesting when i first watched this i had to go back to the notes because i got embarrassed because silver king in my brain was a mask guy and then he was not right in the mask right (laughs) because again sorry i'm dumb um no it sounds like a mask name it's like when we got confused about massage envy because the guy who has the mask name doesn't have the mask in massage envy yeah like vsk sounds like a mask guy but he's not the mask guy and then the other guy just has like a normal dude name and you're like what yeah yeah that's what silver king is um but yeah and this match like in particular i wrote down in the notes for this episode who's who because it is like really confusing and hard to see thank you <laughs> um especially because uh el tejano and silver king look like almost exactly the same <laughs> like they have like the same body type they are wearing exactly the same gear and it's like i can totally see why they were a super successful tag team yeah they're like little twins but also i'm watching like a very poor quality uh match rip on youtube and it's lit by some excellent candles like for sure yeah 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 <laughs> it's it's real real bad um it was still really fun to watch though a lot of action in it this it was good for me atmospherically and i think it will be good for any any person who is like not familiar with this era of like do you want to get the feel of what this was like yeah this is the feel of it yeah um and it's like a lot it, it's also like very indicative of the lucha libre style um, because it's a uh, a six man match, which is like a classic lucha libre form, um, a trios match. Uh, it's two out of three falls, like almost all 
Lucha Libre matches are. Um, And it's a bunch of rolling flips and arm drags and like all of the stuff that's your shit. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) Um, I really liked it. It's so it's it's El Tejano and Silver King who are clearly a tag team because they match. And then they're with um, this guy, Gran Hamada, who is also kind of an interesting uh, person. He was like one of the first like Japanese dudes to adopt this like Lucha style and work extensively in Mexico. So that's one team. And then they're against uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., who is the mask guy, who is okay. Silver King's brother. Um, Rambo and then Negro Casas. Yeah, I knew Negro Casas' name. Um, but when they said Rambo, I laughed out loud because it's like, you, <laughs> it's just Rambo. It's you know, Rambo, it's not the guy. But like, <laughs> it's Rambo and it's a match from like 1992. So like, it kind of is supposed to be the guy. Yeah, but that's why <laughs> it made me smile because it's like, obviously the styles are very, very different in what I'm watching, but stuff, stuff about wrestling like remains Transcends. a through line all the way. <laughs> right. We will rip off popular action movie franchises no matter where we are. And coming up here, El Hijo D Jurassic Park 2. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and he's wearing like a like a stringer tank top and has like the, the permed like Sylvester's Stallone mullet like it's a it's, good look it's very good um but yeah so we saw Negro Casas in the um Jacob episode yeah he was in that so I was really glad we watched this because we were pretty underwhelmed by his Jacob appearance yeah um his match was just kind of like it seemed like it never really got going he didn't have I can't remember who he was wrestling but he didn't really have good chemistry with that person um but he's really fun in this yeah <laughs> He was sort of the person that was easiest for me to watch, as was um, Wagner Jr., because he had the mask on. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, okay, I have these two visual cues and I can kind of go from here. Yeah. Um, Also, just like Negro Casas, like after the second fall, just starts like throwing a shit fit in the (laughs) ring. And it's really funny. And it was a lot of like little fucker activity, which I'm always a fan of. Yeah. "Eh, We're going to hang you off the edge of the corner here. Let's go for it. Which is like, I love that. I love, I love shenanigans. Yeah. There were a lot of shenanigans (laughs) and Negro Casas was kind of leading the way on the shenanigans, which I appreciated. (laughs) And then also he gets his like comeuppance for being a little fucker when Silver King takes him and does a Cesaro swing to him, (laughs) which is great. Like, it's so good. It's really fun. And I again like you know you know who everybody is, you know? Like It's also beautiful to see the root of that. Yeah. I mean like who knows if that's the root of it? Like everything has been stolen over decades and decades and decades, but like for Cesaro, that's likely what he knows that from. I mean, if I, I think, had to guess. I think I think a lot of people do that, but it's fun to see an earlier iteration of the of the swing made famous to us by Cesaro. I will say that Cesaro's <laughs> version is pretty iconic to me. Mostly because it's like, congrats to your arms. Yeah. They can look like that and, and do that. And it's fun when they cut to commercial and they come back and he's still doing it, which is like, I feel like is what really makes the Cesaro swing to me. <laughs> Some stuff that they do really perfectly. And a lot of that is Cesaro. But anyway, yeah, I like to not WWE. But I liked that. Like, I also just think that's such a funny thing to do to like the little heel is to swing him around because it's like you also it's like a wrestling move ostensibly it's like you're you're doing damage to your opponent but it's also just like really humiliating to be swung around by your ankles. I really want like a school marm woman to do that and call it the trunch bowl. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. That would be awesome. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so this was like really fun. There's also like uh, the other part of this match that stuck out to me was the Los Cowboys do like a cool synchronized. They do like chops and then synchronized kicks to uh, Rambo or no to uh, Negro Casas. And then um, while they're doing that, Gran Hamada jumps over them all and like flies onto Rambo and then they pin. It's such a cool just in terms of like. One, it's like, how do we want to do this in ring? But also, like, how do we want this to look to an audience? Yeah. Like, we want to give them the pure spectacle. And it's, like, thinking about what it takes to, like, call that match is, like, you're a really giving performer and that you guys are, like, willing to really do all of these things. It well, All I of you are giving. I said this on the uh, Double or Nothing episode about the Young Bucks, but I really feel it here where it's, like, this is the circus. That's what's happening in yeah. this match. Which is so fun. Like, that's what people come to see. They come to see the circus. And you don't need, like, a big, complicated, extended backstory because it's clear who's good. It's clear who's bad. It's clear why they don't like each other. They don't like each other because some of them are bad and some of them are good. <laughs> and they're just going to do a bunch of really cool, like, rolly flippy things. And uh, it's it's going to be fun. And uh, I, I just, like, thought this was a great sort of first thing to watch, even though it was also, like, the really terrible quality. <laughs> it was. I think you chose really well, personally. <laughs> this was a JR recommendation. JR, Thanks, JR, JR. gave us uh, a couple of these first. If you want to get drunk, restart this episode and just drink every time we say JR. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, so the next thing we watch, I think, is probably the worst video quality of any match I have ever watched. I'm pretty sure. It was the. I think you're right, but like I want to give a competitive answer to see if we can go back and forth. I don't think <laughs> I can though, because it was pretty bad. Yeah, this it's Silver King versus Apollo Dantes, and uh, it's a title match in CMLL in 1995. So this is sort of after he was found all that success uh, as a tag wrestler. He and El Tejano went to Japan. Um, which they talk about in on commentary in a later thing we watched about how like he was one of the youngest Mexican wrestlers to ever get like a J Japanese tour. Um, very successful at a very young age. Again, CMLL 1995, not the most popular company, but Silver King is one of their top dudes. So he's in contention for the title versus Apollo Dantes. And uh, the rip of it we have is so... Uh, blurry. <laughs> <laughs> I clicked around for other ones. Same one. Yeah. Same no, one I, lo I looked. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, again, though, I kind of love it because it like establishes to, to like me, the viewer of like, I am viewing something that I should not view through like my normal wrestling eyes I have now. Totally. Yeah. It, it takes you out of your expectations, which your, our expectations are set at 2019, primarily American indie or influenced by American indies, which were in turn influenced by uh, like mid 2000s Japanese wrestling. Like all of that stuff is out the window. This is 1995 in Arena, Mexico. So look at it as 1995 in Arena, Mexico. So this uh, this match made me kind of because it's at the top of my mind. Uh, I This is why I'm referencing it again. There was some criticism for how many audience shots there were during Double or Nothing. But like in defense of audience shots, I loved the audience shots in this because, like, if I didn't already have a sense of, like, in terms of video quality of, like, 
this is not 2019 this is 1995 the fashion in it really like brought me in yeah so like give me one or two because like eventually somebody like 20 years from now is gonna watch double or nothing and they're gonna be like oh that person is dressed like a 2019 idiot or like yeah that 2019 look looks really cool <laughs> or whatever i i generally like audience shots um I, it depends on how they're used but I yeah I generally I like think them that's fair. and yeah, I they're used and I like uh, I like watching them in old things for that reason it's a really fun like sort of anthropological study um, and that's something that we've talked about on the show a lot before is that like the way that lucha libre is shot is often more to sell the idea of coming to it as opposed to selling the specific moves of the wrestlers so there are a lot of audience shots because the idea is like, look how much fun all these people are having. Yeah. If you look at when the audience shots are deployed, um, it's not it, in American wrestling. It's often like there'll be a big move and then there'll be an audience shot of someone looking like shocked or amazed. And the audience shots serve to elevate the wrestling. Whereas in a lot of Lucha stuff, at least from the stuff, the CMLL stuff I watch at arena Mexico and watching this, um, it's more like they'll just cut to the audience whenever just to show that people are having fun. It's not so much yeah. that the audience shots support the wrestling. It's that the wrestling supports the idea that the audience is having a really good time at this thing. Yes. And uh, I found that to be really enjoyable. Uh, I I think the lady in the suit is like such a wonderful example of it. Oh, she rules. Yeah. So <laughs> she's ready to get in there. This match. Um, yeah. It's Apollo Dantes holds the, holds the title again. He's a Rudo. Silver King is the Technico. Um, he's very mean to him. Uh, JR wrote a, a really good essay about this um, and basically said that uh, he like the thing that differentiates this, like a title match versus an Apuestas match, which is like the, mask or hair or something like that is that like the title match is about who's the better wrestler and a puestas match is like a personal grudge match and so like in this match there's a moment when they roll out of the ring and they almost start to brawl but then they just get back right back into the ring so they're like we're settling this through wrestling we're not settling this through a, a street fight or yeah whatever. but so they elevate the stakes that way like it's supposed to be about like who's the better wrestler and then yeah there's this woman in the front row in like a sport coat. She looks like, um, she reminds me of like someone, uh, fucking who's in baby boom. Uh, Diane Keaton. Yes. She reminds me of like someone Diane Keaton would play in a movie. Okay. Like just a career woman. She has what a case of what I would call extremely nineties bangs, super nineties bangs. Yeah. yeah. And she I, looks like she's there alone and she is like, marking the fuck out and it rules the fact that she's doing like the look at my eyes look at your eyes look into them thing <laughs> at, like these two guys who are like in incredible shape and are just like large people is <laughs> i love it good for her she's so mad she's like she's she should be like an audience member for everything because she was just marking the fuck out yeah i want her to awesome. have like the best rest of her life possible. I know. I wonder where she is now. I know. I hope she's still sitting front row at Arena Mexico. Oh, me too. 
I hope she rose to the top of the company if she's in her business casual. <laughs> I hope she has whatever career she wants. Speaking of the crowd, I also noticed in this, like, there is such a willingness to just fuck up the crowd in this. I loved that. <laughs> like, There's a dive out <laughs> of the ring where, like, some guy in, like, a pa- and, like, a printed short sleeve button down is, like, genuinely, like, oh, fuck. I gotta it's get out of the way. fucking you crazy. You see him, like, grab his beer and run, and it's really funny. Yeah, uh, Apollo, <laughs> Apollo Dante is just, like swan dives into the front row <laughs> like kind of onto silver king but like not didn't not really like just kind of onto the front row like nobody's giving a fuck about p- protecting the people in the audience which like to me like i like that impression i obviously don't want that to be really what's happening no. but it is like really fun when you get that impression at a show that like anything could happen these people are so swept up in it that like you may become a casualty of this of this match <laughs> what i so that's what i tell myself when i'm sad that we can't afford front row seats which is like i probably can't afford to get hit in the head with a ladder or with a foot <laughs> but like that's kind of also what i feel not everyone because if you don't want to be hit in the face you shouldn't and you have every right to not want to get hit in the face (laughs) that's the autonomy we sell here um but like i also feel like there's a class of wrestling fans who sit in the front row and are like yeah hit me in the face yeah i want to get the pop zoom or whatever i want somebody to run up to me with a camera i can't i want to be part of it yeah and like yeah i uh it's a little bit of... I don't think that's quite what's happening here. I think no. he just got swan-dived on. I think he just got fucking swan-dived on. <laughs> and as an audience as an audience member, like, 25 years later, I loved it. I yes. was really happy. Yes. Um, also in this, uh, Apollo Dante starts biting Silver King, which I thought was really cool. That was some great heel work. That was really I fun. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I also, like, he's a piece of shit in this match. And yeah, he totally doing, is. Like, when he starts slamming his legs against the ropes and stuff. Yeah. And when they they have each other in a leg lock at some point and they roll out of the ring and land on the ground. And I thought that was just like so exciting and wonderful. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this match rules. It was it was really neat. I wish I could watch it in better quality because it was really fun. The next match we watched, I think, was probably my favorite, which was um, uh, Silver King versus Emilio Charles in a hair versus hair match. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah, it's awesome. Um this is, I think, Silver King at his hunkiest. He's really cute. Yeah. Um, he starts, he, like, the match starts, like, right away. He starts running the ropes, and he's running the ropes in, like, a Ribera jacket. Like, he starts, and he has that shiny silver jacket on. He doesn't even take it off. He's just, like, so ready to go. And uh, I'm just like, that guy's adorable. I love him. I immediately was like, I love him. I'm rooting for him. I don't want him to lose his beautiful hair, even though it is already kind of receding at this time. <laughs> Um, which is again, like if you're a wrestler who is going bald, which you probably are because like all wrestlers have just battle the, the toughest fight a wrestler ever has to have is with their hairline. Like it's a real struggle. If we were a meaner show, I think we would probably have like, you know, a betting line going on like who the popular guys are that are fighting their hairlines. But we're not. It's tough. It's tough. It's a struggle. Um, But like if you're struggling and you're losing that battle, which you will lose, like it it happens. Just do a hair versus hair. Do a hair versus hair. It's the fucking best. When's the last time there was like a really popular hair versus hair? They 
do them occasionally in WWE, but this was going to be my other point. When they do them in WWE, you lose and then you just have to get your hair cut. You don't get shaved in the ring, which is to me like no! the whole point. You're destroying the stakes of the whole thing. Right. It's like, it's not just about losing your hair. It's about being forcibly shaved. Like, I don't mean to defend CM Punk here, but he f- shaved a woman's head in the <laughs> ring. That is the stakes of the thing. Right. That's what it's supposed to be like. Of course, he was doing it for his weird straight edge club, but we don't need to get into that. I don't I don't know what you're referring to. Oh, he had like a whole straight edge gang. You know that because you've seen the Subway Jared video. Mm-hmm. You know the video. Obviously, you know the video where CM Punk says, get me Jared from Subway. Yes. Okay, it's because yeah. he's trying to get him to join his straight edge club. Okay. <laughs> so how does shaving a woman's head come into it? It's, there's a woman with like a bald head in there. And then I saw another YouTube preview clip that I didn't click on of him shaving her head. Okay. And like, I guess we only- have to watch the YouTube clip to get yeah. the, the context for that. But whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, no, don't. I think, I think, you know what I think would be a really funny heel move is uh, showing up to a hair versus hair and just shaving your head right before it. And yeah. Being like, I took it away from you. And right. then obviously the other guy has to lose. You don't get, you don't get this from me. Yeah. I, I decide. Exactly. Um, and that's what Silver King does. He loses, and it's like so tragic. I know. Also, he blades like crazy in this. He blades like crazy, and they zoom in on him getting ready to blade, which is very funny. Yeah, it's super <laughs> funny. And also, like I will say, I don't think he took a ton of Advil before this. It's not to be gross. It's coming out thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, and it, it clots up pretty quick, but you get some good dramatic like streaks of uh, yeah. He streaks he, of he blood. drips onto his own shoulder, and you're like, ugh, gross. Yeah, and there there's a part where after he's after he's bladed, so he blades. So first of all, I also want to say Emilio Charles um, is the perfect uh, like if Silver King looks just like a good guy should, Emilio Charles looks just like a bad guy should, especially in a hair versus hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he's evil looking. Yeah, he looks like a piece of shit. Yeah, he looks like he should be in Metalocalypse. Yes, <laughs> he does. He has like kind of that mushroom haircut that the little guy in Metalocalypse exactly. has. Exactly, yeah. with the buck teeth. Yeah, and he's a little like he's just got one of those faces. Like he looks, a, he's a little like Danny Trejo ish. Like he's very weathered. Um, yes. And uh, so he's just like you know right away he's the bad guy, and then he's just a beast, and he's so. Uh, brutal to big silver king mean. big and mean he punches him that's where the blading comes in um it's oh, just i love a punch that results in blading that it's, results in parallel cuts to the forehead just you know it's my favorite middle finger to how injuries work and i mean that <laughs> very sincerely is that like if you're doing your job right you don't you're just like oh yeah no that's how you bleed from your head is you get punched which is like yeah sometimes true that's for this it's that's just how that works yeah it's just, just it's either that or yeah like face into the turnbuckle like that's which uh, silver king also gets like his forehead slammed yeah. into the into the ring post a bunch of times. Um, but yeah, there's just like, it, it's so dramatic because it's so clear, like who you're supposed to be rooting for. There's a lot of really beautiful close-ups after Silver King has bladed where Emilio Charles is um, holding his hair and like, he's got him in a hold and he's pulling his hair and Silver King's face, his eyes are like bulging out of his head and he's just like screaming and you just, you feel for him so much. And it's like so dramatic um, you really want him to win. 
And then when he does, it's it's a th- th- two uh, two out of three. So Silver King gets the first fall like almost right away. Then uh, Emilio Charles gets the second fall, and then uh, Silver King very tragically loses. Loses the third. Yeah. Thank you for the crowd shot of those two ladies in like sublime Laura Ashley wear that they have going. <laughs> They have like crazy blush on too. It's nuts. If you like didn't catch it, go back and look for it. <laughs> um Yeah, I just like not only is it so dramatic and you so want Silver King to win, um, but the finish is like so heartbreaking because he um he almost pins Amelia Charles. It's like the crowd thinks it's over. Like that's how close it is. And it's the ref is like, nope, no, no, no. I think on commentary, they're talking in Spanish, but I think they say something like 2.8 or something like that. Oh. Like it's so close, so, so close to three. And then right afterwards, like it, they don't even let it breathe. It's like right afterward, Amelia Charles pins him. And it's just like, oh man, like that sucks. Why couldn't you let him recover? I know. <laughs> just at least let people appreciate that he almost got you. But no, he's just like, absolutely not. This has gone on too long. Fuck you. And, yeah, uh, but that's the beautiful like cruelty of these types of matches. Totally, which totally. I, you know, I have to appreciate the artistry, even if the guy I'm rooting for had to lose his hair. I will say this though: he then shaves his hair, and he immediately looks ten years younger. Yeah, like he's he just looks really cute with with short hair. Although they also don't shave all of it, which is funny to me. Like it's like. Cause I guess cause it like takes a long time to like really shave a head well. So it's like they shave of an, enough of it where it's like, okay, you definitely can't save this. And then it's like over. <laughs> Which I think is very funny. If that's the case, then they should only just like do the front and then, <laughs> you know, you're done. It's like, uh, like give you the friars yeah, haircut give, with give the, the circle. Fr- give me the fryer and go. But <laughs> I wouldn't trust any wrestler with any real blades anyway. Yeah. It always seems so crazy. And also like, in a lot of these hair versus hair or like mask versus hair, whatever, um, like Jarrah was saying, they're sort of brawly, like they're a lot more sort of savage and like guttural and less technical. Yeah, you gotta protect your head of hair. Which like thus means a lot of times people are blading, which like shaving over a head that you've already bladed on just seems like awful. Like that just seems like really painful and you gross. Just, you just made a really good point, and my <laughs> my my stomach hurts. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I got a little I got a little squeamish watching that because I was just thinking about like oh that guy just cut up his forehead with a razor and now there's another razor going That's over all of it. Probably why they don't do from the front back. Then that's probably why they do from the back to the front because shaving wise. Yeah, you're not gonna blade the nape of your neck. Right. So that makes a little more sense to me then. But yeah, it was very sad. Um, but again, you got to lose your hair because it's going. So why not? Yeah. Fuck it. And you look adorable now. <laughs> He's so cute. He's so cute. Super cute. Um, yeah. So like big star in CMLL during a time when when uh, CMLL was not really a thing. But he made enough of a name for himself, especially with the tag stuff he was working in. New Japan, which had a partnership with WCW, so he worked in WCW a little bit, the tag team. Anyway, 97, he goes to WCW, which um, recently when he passed away, I think a lot of American fans, that's like primarily where they knew him from, was his work in WCW. Um, So he's in WCW for a couple years. He's never really like a big star there, um, but he is like a solid member of the roster often fighting the other luchadors on the, on the, on the uh, roster. Like he worked with LA park a lot. Um, 
uh, Halloween. Like, there are a bunch of dudes he worked with. So. Yeah. And the Eddie match was nice because it was um, – I watched everything for this twice because I was like, it's very grainy and I don't know what I'm looking at. But the Eddie match, the first time I watched this, watched it was like kind of like a nice anchor of like, okay, you know a little bit of what you're doing here. You don't have to be so stressed out about like making sure you get details in and making sure you observe everything in like the quote unquote right way. And it's like, oh, you know Eddie. You've seen WCW like camera styles. You can kind of like relax while you watch this. And it was a nice like – way back into my way of watching things i guess um, right so this is it's a it's a match with eddie guerrero yeah um and it's just from like a random nitro like i don't think it's from a pay-per-view they spend most of the commentary promoting hulk hogan yeah they're talking about hollywood hogan versus sting to give you some sort of uh time frame for when this was happening and yeah it's like it there's nothing super remarkable about this match it's just that like eddie guerrero is really cool it's really uh, solid. It's very the the wrestling is technically like very very good. It's clearly two guys who like know what they're doing and who have good chemistry. Um but yeah, like he was often kind of in the opening matches of the card and uh WCW is interesting because they did introduce a lot of American audiences to a lucha libre style because there were a bunch of lucha guys in their roster like Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and um LA Park and like all of these all of these people um but they ended up being sort of relegated to only wrestling each other yeah which we talk about on the Eddie Guerrero episode with the Latino World Order uh the idea that like this faction is starting because they're sick of being like ghettoized you know so uh Silver King does eventually join that um faction the Latino World Order shortly before he's released and then WCW ends um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about this Eddie matchup a little bit. I really, I, I liked seeing like a, it's a joy to me when somebody who is very well received in their own country, I love seeing them do well with audiences that aren't their own. Mm-hmm. So like to see the audience be like see, pop for him and like him and enjoy the moves that he does. That was like a nice charge for me, a viewer who was like rooting for him through all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's like, you know, you expect the worst out of any audience of that era, any sure. American audience sure. of that area, era, I guess is the better way to put it. Um, but it was also just like fun to watch an Eddie match again because he's so mad- magnetically adorable. He's great. Um, I loved Silver King's hat. I was a big fan of his fedora. <laughs> he comes out again with like a, a silver, like Ribera jacket and a fedora and he's so cute. And, uh, I really, I just really was like, that's a hat that like, if you wear that hat now, I hate you. But if you wear that hat in 1999 when this is happening, like, you're cute. I like yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing great. you wonderful in 1998. Stay there. <laughs> um, the opening exchange in this match is really, really cool. They do, like, a bunch of, like, back and forth arm drags and stuff. And uh, it's it's really neat. They're, they're super quick. Um, it's, again, that sort of, like, lucha style where there's not the flat back bumping. It's, like, the rolling bumping, which keeps everything moving super quick, which I think is, like, really cool. It's interesting to think about the kinetics of that, too. Yeah. Of just kind of, like, does that – I know in terms of physics that's a different thing, but, like, this is your body and you might want to break. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, like, arguably – that style is easier on the body. I think it's probably a lot harder for cardio, but bumping, if you think about the impact of flat back bumping, which is yeah. the American style of just like 
landing flat on your back. And the, the goal is to kind of get as much surface area down as possible. So you're just slamming your back over and over again. Whereas the, the Lucha Libre style is to roll through. Yeah. So instead of stopping that momentum flat, you, you use that momentum to keep rolling. So you don't, the impact isn't as much. So you have to be like pretty agile and you have to have pretty good cardio because like you don't really get a break uh, because you don't get that rest once you hit the mat. But it's also like so much less impactful on your spine. So a lot of Lucha guys tend to, I think, have longer careers because they're not slamming down the same way. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't wrestle. I think that's an interesting point. Yeah. That's, you know. That's at least the argument that uh, people like JR make about why Lucha is superior to <laughs> other forms of wrestling. God bless him, do a drink. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I believe it. I mean, when you're watching it, like, you, you don't see... There are a lot of really dangerous moves of, like, people f- doing moonsaults to the outside and stuff. But as far as the stuff that's happening in the ring, it's a lot less of that, like, slamming down like that. I mean, like, all love to JR. None of this is good for you. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, we are talking about someone who died in the ring at 51. So, like, this isn't good for you. No, no, like, no, no, none no, no, of this no, no, is no, no. healthy. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's a fun super cut for our show is like all the times we said none of this is healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Very frequently. Yeah. Um, Another thing uh, that I thought was interesting about this and one of the reasons why I chose it was because these guys are two of the three black tigers in New Japan. So um, we recently talked about... uh, Jushin Thunder Liger on a recent episode and how he is from an anime, uh, which is very funny. (laughs) And um, the reason they introduced that character is because Tiger Mask was a previous character from an anime that was very popular in New Japan. So in addition to Tiger Mask, who is like the good guy uh, in this anime, they then a few years later introduce Black Tiger. Yes. um, Who is like the villain version of Tiger Mask. And so he would fight Tiger Mask all the time. And historically... Sounds like anime. Yeah, classic anime. And uh, historically, Black Tiger is a foreigner. It's always been a gaijin wrestler. Um, And Tiger Mask has, I believe, always been... um, a Japanese wrestler. So yeah, there've been four black tigers. Oh, sorry. No, there've been a lot. There've been seven black tigers. Um, but the first couple, some are more, more, uh, well known than others. Exactly. Um, so it was first played by a, a British guy named Mark Rollerbar Rocco. Uh, but the second black tiger starting in 1993 was Eddie Guerrero. Yes, that I knew. Yeah. And, uh, after Eddie Guerrero, Silver King then took up the the mask after that. So they were, he was the direct successor. So this WCW match is happening after Eddie has stopped being Black Tiger, but before Silver King will go on to take it up. That's a really interesting, like, very, a relatively small time frame. Yeah. Huh. I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, I think that's, like, really neat. Um, and then Rocky is, one. is he Black I mean, Rocky Romero takes it over from Silver King. Okay. So um, it's actually kind of complicated because you're not supposed to say who somebody is in terms of like mass stuff a lot of the time. Right. Or like, well, yeah, but the reason it's complicated is, is unrelated to that. It's that uh, Silver King goes to work in New Japan as Black Tiger, but then starts working more in Mexico as Black Tiger. And he is like tagging with his brother, Dr. Wagner Jr. a lot. 
Um, to the point where like Black Tiger is kind of no longer a character in New Japan. So they introduce Rocky Romero as Black Tiger while Silver King is still using the gimmick in Mexico. Really? Yeah, yeah. which is like pretty weird. I mean, you gotta have two of them. I mean, you know, I have seen the Spider-Man multiverse recently, so I guess <laughs> I, can, I can grasp this pretty easily. Yeah. But it's like, hey, I think that guy has a different build. Yeah, <laughs> those are like very different looking people. <laughs> like, those guys do not look alike whatsoever Listen, in body type. Short King for sure. Rocky. Oh, I love Rocky. Yeah, like do not. I, Rocky is like I, my main New Japan hunk. Like I love him. I wouldn't. I would never ever imply that in the first <laughs> place. Um, but yeah, no, those two guys being like wildly different ones is very funny. Um, it's yeah, it's just like so interesting to me because. Uh, well, this is also, and correct me if I'm wrong. This is also kind of during the time where like. New Japan is not flourishing as much as it presently is. Very much so, yeah. So, so it kind of makes a little more sense to me that he was like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'll yeah. see you later." Well, they they've always had partnerships with Mexican promotions. Too. Yeah. So he would be sent over, and then I think it was just like, "I'm selling more tickets here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's I don't, what I, th- I don't think he was asked back to do Japanese tours as much. So. He's working in in Mexico, and this actually ends up like kind of a tragic situation for him, where he is often tagging with Dr. Wagner Jr. They're both Rudos. They're both bad guys, as is traditionally Black Tiger is a a bad guy. Um, When uh, Dr. Wagner Sr. dies in 2004, um, Dr. Wagner Sr., like very respected, famous wrestler. Former wrestler led a pretty long life. 68? 68? Yeah. I mean... Not great. That's not great. <laughs> not the worst. Not the worst we're going to talk about on this episode. Sure. Um, but yeah, so he passes away, and because of the sympathy for Dr. Wagner Jr. about his beloved father passing away, Dr. Wagner Jr. gets turned technico. He gets turned babyface. Um, but to because of kayfabe and everything, Black Tiger is not acknowledged to be... Dr. Wagner Jr.'s brother, Dr. Wagner's son. Which is incredibly heartbreaking. And I'm sure, like, you know, he himself as a professional, as a person who was born into a family that does this, and, like, this is your whole world, is probably prepared for this on some level. But, like, as a human who experiences human psychology, has got to suck. Yeah, it's really sad, and it's extra sad because it fucks up his career. Like, he has... Not only can he not grieve and not receive the sympathy of his fans and everything, but they were a tag team. You can't turn one guy in the tag team and keep the tag team together. Yeah. So Black Tiger kind of just languishes. Like he just starts working in smaller cards and like he's just like a more undercard guy. While Dr. Wagner Jr., who has been turned face, gets more and more popular, which is like so sad. Incredibly sad. <laughs> It's a real bummer. Um, but yeah, so, and then after that, like, Silver King, uh, he eventually unmasks as Black Tiger. He goes back to working as Silver King. He is working in Mexico. He works in All Japan Pro Wrestling. He's kind of around. He's, he does the traditional late career denouement. Yeah, and and sort of the classic, like, lucha indie guy stuff. Like, he is... he. He wasn't at the Lucha show I went to with JR, but, like, he could have been. Like, yeah. he was, like, one of those dudes. Um, which brings us very sadly to a few weeks ago, he was wrestling Juventud Guerrera 
in uh, England and he had a heart attack in the ring and passed away. And um, he was 51. He was very, very young. He was like, I don't want to say too young in a way that sounds judgmental and sounds like someone who's being preachy because I just, you know, I love the things he I love his career I love his career as like a bigger existential thing like of course I love what he does we're on this show but at the same time that's too young yeah I think you can safely say 51 is too young to die yeah but you know there's like a very very patronizing way me as a white fan could go oh that's too young you know and I don't I want to have it clear to our listeners that I'm not saying it in that way yeah I mean it wrestling is really bad for you it doesn't matter if it's what nationality the the wrestling is it's an incredibly harmful profession it cuts years off everyone's life who does it and that's something that we kind of have to reckon with as fans and um his death uh kind of sparked a conversation um and a lot of concern about what needs to be done to prevent this from happening because the thing that is interesting about this, um, ma- many wrestlers have died in the ring. I mean, we've talked about about some of them sort of in passing. Um, and it's sort of an, ex- I don't want to say accepted because it's not and it shouldn't be, but it is sort of a hazard of a profession that it does happen to people. Um, and what happened in this case was um, he had a heart attack and he had a heart attack in the ring during the match and they basically just kept having the match and Juventud Guerrera, who he was wrestling, pinned him and won. And then while celebrating, the ref went to go check on him, uh, Silver King, and realized that he was in some kind of very serious medical yeah, distress. Yeah, he was in a dire strait, I guess. Yeah. So basically, like, there's a part, uh, I didn't watch it because I'm not that much of a ghoul, but I had a... I was scrolling my Twitter timeline, put my phone down and pick my phone up. And there was a video on auto autoplay. Mm-hmm. So I have seen some of it. Don't watch it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to go for it, it's your prerogative. There's plenty of video out there. And I mean, but for me, it did not. It didn't improve my night. I will say that. I, I, I read a description of it and that was enough for me. And so, yeah, like the description of it is basically that like he falls to the ground and he's like struggling to get up and then Juby kicks him. And it's like, yeah, it's a wrestling match. Like, yeah, the thing that I think is really um, difficult and difficult to kind of figure out what to do with is like these people, especially somebody like Silver King, who this is years and years, this is generations of his family, have been trained to react a certain way and conduct themselves a certain way in the and ring. Consummately perform. Yeah, and perform kind of no matter what pain you're experiencing. That's kind of the whole thing. And, um, you know, like that's something that we always are complaining about non people who don't watch wrestling don't understand is that like it does hurt and there is pain and there is injury how many pints of blood did <laughs> dustin Rhodes? Lose? yeah yeah you know? for real um so like i i guess it's just like if you're performing in that situation you can't the the medium dictates that you can't constantly be checking in with your the person you're wrestling and asking if they're okay you have to trust them and to do their job and him as someone who has been doing this job for 51 17 minus 51 yeah uh like 30 odd years 
of course you're not going to be like, hello, now is the time where I'm going to say I need a doctor. Of course you're not going right. to do that. Also because you're having a heart attack. <laughs> right. You can't do that. So um, the other thing to note here, too, is a lot of people wanted to blame uh, Juvie Guerrera or blame the ref. The ref in this case is a guy named Black Terry who's like a super OG lucha legend who is apparently like nobody has a bad word to say about is like extremely well respected. Um, so you know, this isn't, this isn't a problem of like amateurs not knowing what to do. No one person fucked up here. Right. Yeah. I guess that's the point I want to get across is like, this is a really, really horrible situation. Um, and it's really tragic. And I'm sure that the, the people who were in the ring with him wish they had done things differently, but I don't think anybody did anything that they should feel guilty for. Yeah, and I, any anybody tweeting to the contrary would have done a mus- much worse job, I would say. It's a terrible situation to be in, um, but at the same time, it does sort of beg questions on what can we do to minimize this happening without s- completely compromising the sport or the, the entertainment. Or, and, yeah. like... I think it's a worthy question of if the entertainment needs to be compromised, that's maybe worth it. Like maybe this isn't, maybe the way that we experience wrestling now isn't more valuable than human life. You know, like I, I don't know what the answer is. You're going out on a limb here, Cass. (laughs) Well, just, Uh, I will just like, at what point do you make those calls? Because it's like, these are consenting adults. They are aware of the risks. I think to me, like, the number one thing that I would change to prevent this kind of stuff is to pay these people better so they can retire. Like that is my thing. Like, (laughs) like, I think you are correct. I still think there's going to be people who say, no, I'm not giving up. And that's a question of ego. And that's a question of like passion and love. But I think your solution would solve a lot of it. Because, like, I I think there's, like, stuff that you can do and that people have been advocating that is good. Like, um, there should be EMTs. Refs should be um, trained in CPR. Like, those things absolutely should happen. It should be as safe as humanly possible. But if you don't want to substantially change wrestling as it is, you, you... provide for the performers because they're risking their lives it's kind of and you know i'm not doing a call out post on any ref or anything like that it is bananas that refs don't have to be cpr certified yeah that's crazy to me especially considering from what we have learned from bryce himself is that part of the job is that you have to like be the person to say, hey, they need help right now. Can you get prepared? Right. Like, I think ref should probably just have to do EMT training. <laughs> like, it should probably be part of the job. Like, they already have a lot to do, but they get way less brain damage. So you can juggle it. Right. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. And that's not really the problem with, you know, like Silver King didn't didn't die because of a risky spot or whatever. But I do think that there's something to be said for how dangerous wrestling is getting in general. And it's getting to the point where... um maybe like for the good of everyone people should try to pull back on the amount of risks they're taking because you don't need to take a lot of these risks to do an entertaining job yeah you can put together a really compelling powerful match without uh risking life and limb to the extent that a lot of people risk life and limb Mm -hmm. you know so that's another thing i'm kind of thinking about i i also feel like 
some of the problem is that um, people kind of fetishize this kind of stuff. They think it's like, well, you know, out in a blaze of glory. Like, well, yeah. I mean, again, Jr. pointed out that the guy who is the head of the safety commission was like. You know, this is like the romantic way to go. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's a respectable position, but you're the head of safety and health. (laughs) So maybe you should change either your job or your position on that matter. Right. Yeah. The, the, The commissioner who's in charge of what safety measures are in place probably shouldn't be talking about how this is a warrior's death. Like, that's not... That's not what you want. No, like <laughs> you have more paperwork to do now at right. work. <laughs> like, don't be talking about like warriors and romanticizing. Like, yeah, these are know. people's lives that are that like, are like, yeah, like Todd from accounting went out in a blaze of glory. Is like, <laughs> so that's why we're not increasing, you know, your benefits or your life insurance or your dental. And it's like, no, that's this doesn't fly, and this doesn't fly in any other industry. And I get that this is a unique industry and I get that you know usually Todd from accounting doesn't have a blaze of glory and that's but there still needs to be more and I think we are correct in saying that we're right in conclusion we're right (laughs) Um, yeah I guess like the thing I think about is sort of you want to treat people like adults and you want to let them do uh, what they want to do and if they want to do um this like incredibly dangerous stuff, then uh, they should be allowed to. They're grownups and people do self-destructive, dangerous things all the time. Um, I think the thing is, the more economic precarity is involved in this career path, the less of an actual choice people have. And that I think is why I think a huge thing to combat this problem would be making sure that these people are provided for. Because Silver King going... Silver King dying in the ring in England. If you think about why a 51-year-old has a heart attack, the physical toll that wrestling takes on you is a lot, but so is the physical toll of traveling every single weekend for your entire life. Yep. And, you know, going from Mexico to London on a flight and then getting off the flight and immediately going to wrestle, like doing that kind of stuff is also not good for you. And No. And and I think, you know, like 51 is is too young for someone with an office job to retire but like a guy with a career as long and illustrious as he had before this he shouldn't have to be doing this to make ends meet there should be some some like he should be getting paid more there should be more kind of a maybe some kind of pension plan that this commission puts into place something like that to help out these older guys because um they've given so much and this is a really please let him go train people yeah like this is obviously there is some sort of poetry in dedicating your life to something and dying doing what you and love. We make jokes about like you know what when PCO dies in a ring he's gonna die with a smile on his face, right? But we're also going to be having this exact same conversation, right? And there's a conversation to be had I think about like the novelty of PCO and why we love it and like why it's ghoulish and all that. But this isn't the, the episode about this. This is the episode about Silver King. So. Yeah, it's just, it's, you know, we only have so much pull, so, (laughs) and we're not telling you to go John Oliver CMLL or whatever, Right. but that's, I mean, that's the (laughs) other thing is like, uh, I think it would be incredibly foolish to think that this is a problem in Mexican wrestling and not just wrestling in general. Like that is absurd, which to your point earlier about talking about him dying too young, it's like, this is, this is a systemic problem with the medium of wrestling in general yeah not 
a problem with Lucha Libre or a problem with Juventud Guerrera or Black Terry or or even Silver King. This is a bigger issue. I and I don't I don't want to be too cynical on this episode, so I apologize. But I have a feeling it's going to be a similar conversation to the similar conversations that we have in this country about guns. Yeah, like I it's going to take a bigger thing for it to change, and I I don't. I want to be wrong, and I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong before this episode comes out, you know? But, like, I just, I don't see it happening quite yet, which really sucks. Yeah, I mean, because it's a constant attrition. Like, these people are constantly putting their lives on the line, and and, uh, and bad things happen, and it's a bummer. Um, But I'm really glad we did this episode on him because I really didn't know very much about him and a lot of these matches are really cool and he clearly had like a very long and illustrious career. He's part of this really wonderful family. I have like a greater appreciation for um, Dr. Wagner Jr. now. Like that whole era and it was like it was a wonderful tour of that era and I'm really glad that we did this. Yeah. So uh, if you liked this episode, we have a bunch more stuff on our Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleSplania. We do two full bonus episodes a month on there. Uh, If you sign up, you also get access to a wonderful Discord server full of great people who love to talk about professional wrestling. Um, So check that out. I also have two other podcasts, What a Time to Be Alive and Lie, Cheat, and Steal. Those also both have Patreons. Um, Lie, Cheat, and Steal is about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. And What a Time to Be Alive is uh, a countdown of weird news stories every week. And those are a great time. Um, I also do stand-up. My stand-up dates are on my Twitter. So follow me there. So by the time this comes out, I think our fundraiser for Yellowhammer will have happened already. So I'm just going to give a preemptive thank you to everybody who donated to Yellowhammer. You guys did great. Uh, whatever guests we had, thank you for coming. Um, and I, I'm very, very glad that we have such a community that we can do such good with. Uh, I made a documentary with my dad about gerrymandering and gerrymandering reform called Line in the Street. And you can watch it at lineinthestreet.com if you would like to learn more. We'll see you next week. Bye. Love Bye. you.